Jack LeBron. Hi, I'm David Reynolds. And you're listening to Inside Supercars. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside Supercars. Tony Whitlock and Craig Ravel. Uh, it, all getting closer and closer now. Only uh, four weeks to go until the cars are back on track. And it's Sydney Motorsport Park where they go first. Not to under lights. They won't be completed until August. But today we've got the privilege of having Glenn Matthews, the CEO of ARDC, many years there. He's going to be telling us about and taking us through the things they're getting ready for. It's quite some uh, story about uh, the way in which I've done this. It's very topical. Uh, interesting that uh, as we speak, the calendar for the Shannon series is being released with the very first event happening also at Sydney Motorsport Park in August. Tomorrow, we've got Anthony McDonald, Macca, as he's known, from Walkinshaw Andretti United. He'll be telling us how they're getting ready to go racing again, but right now we'll cross straight to Glenn Matthews of the ARDC. Glenn, welcome to Inside Supercars. Oh, thank you, uh, Tony. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a, it's a very uh, different year at a very different time. Um, I know that uh, Sydney Motorsport Park, Eastern Creek, as it was known for many years, has been a very uh, busy track. It's, uh, it must be strange, actually, now just getting back to work and getting back to the track being used. Well, it is. It's been certainly strange having going from, you know, nearly full every day and uh, to having nobody on track. But well, I guess we've been fairly lucky that we've, you know, got our permanent lighting project. So we've had a big construction program going. And so we've all been there and been quite busy and the, the program, you know, the, the lighting project is going really, really well. It's on track and under budget. So, um, you know, that's been one advantage out of COVID-19 for us. Being able to get the clear track to for them to work on it. Um, when you say uh, on time and on budget, when is it due to be completed? <clears throat> yeah, well, certainly uh, the lighting will be completed by, as planned originally, by the last weekend in August, and that was going to be the night race for uh, the supercars. Now, when I say completed, it'll be completed with all the lights and that up, but we always knew that um, we wouldn't have permanent power, so we've actually had made plans to have uh, lights for the first event uh, powered by generators. I mean, we have generators as part of the lighting project for redundancy anyway. So we'd always had always planned to run the supercars event using full generated power. So yeah, it, it's uh, it's certainly uh, on track to uh, to make that timing. So certainly by you know mid to the end of uh, uh, end of August, Glenn. You mentioned it; uh, it is going to be powered. But did you have a major solar or wind project that was also running simultaneously, or was supposed to run simultaneously? No, no. Um, the the what we've done over a number of years in terms of reducing our sort of footprint is we have a, 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 a fair few solar panels around the track as there is now, and it in fact powers. I'm told it powers what our administration block. Um, would use. As far as the lighting project itself that we're putting in, we first started looking at this project five years ago. And compared to five years ago, so five years ago, for $17 million, we would have only been able to do half the track or or what we call the Druitt circuit, the short circuit. Today, five years later, 
It's 16 million, so a million dollars cheaper. We get to do all the venue, the total track, and be able to split up, split it in our configuration in different racing configurations. But it's also because it's now LED LED lighting. The cost of running the lights is about 40 percent of what it would have been, um, you know, five years ago. So there's been some uh, really good improvements in technology, which is you know really going to pay off in terms of our footprint and also running costs. And has that meant that you've been able to expand the project further around the grounds? Because it's yes, one thing to yes. light the track. Yes. So, so a couple of great advantages there is, first of all, we've been able to include the full circuit um, and, um, and, and you know, we can light each circuit individually or, or, or the whole venue at once. But also what it has allowed, to do, allowed us to do is to include in the project a full fibre optic network around the track, which means that, you know, we will be able to, uh, you know, put in our CCTV coverage um, around the track as well, improve safety in terms of motorsport, but also, um, you know, improve um, capability to, to produce, um, you know, content and, um, you know, um, record races and experiences and stuff like that. So, you know, we've really made great advancements in technology and there'll be a whole lot of other stuff that will announce over the next couple of months. It's one thing, of course, to uh, have the lighting there for the supercars, but how mm. does having lighting at the circuit increase the availability of the track and the, uh, and the way you can rent it out for more motorsport events and for more car club and and promotional opportunities. Yeah, that's a really good that's a really good question and a really good point because everyone thinks immediately to the high profile events like a supercar night race. But um, you know, Sydney Motorsport Park is probably one of the busiest motorsport parks in the world. We normally have an occupancy rate of about ninety five or ninety seven percent. And we have about 330,000 visitors a year come through the gates. One, one of the things that, you know, people don't rea- realise is that when you're full, you're full. So we've, we have a lot of lot of people that don't have access to the track. And, and it's not just motorsport. It can be cycling. It can be, um, you know, we, we run five small cross countries there. What the lights do do for us is allow us to not only um, – not only fill more customers, but also, um, but also, and community groups, but also expand into and grow a night economy and put on say, say for example, we haven't had the opportunity to put on any tourism products. So w- once people from overseas are allowed back in the country, you know they drive past us on the expressway and go up to the Blue Mountains. There's no reason that we couldn't give them a, you know, a V8 experience or a, a Formula Ford experience on their way back, and you know, and have some regularity, you know, where we where we can, you know, offer, you know, say some tourism products, um, you know, on a regular basis of a night time. We we th- we think also one of the things the government was pleased with as well is that you know we can really stimulate the night economy. Um, and um, you know, and I think I think we'll grow our business by more than thirty percent. I think even in, importantly, on top of that, I think um, you know the lights are a bit of an enabler for us in terms of our our, our longer term strategy, and that's how we have a, an innovation and education strategy. And uh, you know, we we think that you know, in conjunction with the permanent lighting project, Motorsport Australia will also given a grant 
of $6.4 million to build a centre of excellence. And um, so we've been working very closely with them and we actually may add some extra funds to that ourselves and um, and build it even a slightly bit of bigger building. But, you know, we've um, we've talked about, you know, having a, a supercar team based there uh, and, and that's really to work in with sort of local educators as well in terms of TAFE and universities, but to get more more kids interested in, in sort of engineering. Um, some of the other things that will be able to attract kids as well is, is um, because we are so busy, it's, you know, we could put on cadetships for and internships for hospitality and also and also digital and media as well. So, you know, we think that the, the lights, while they're fantastic in their own right as far as, as far as um, you know, growing our business, our normal business will grow by thirty percent. But it really is an enabler for us to sort of progress down the path of um, you know, sort of our innovation and education precinct. As as we saw and have seen, work very successfully in Silverstone in the UK. You mentioned, Glenn, that the uh, track started being used again uh, yesterday, albeit a small event. Um, the supercars in a, in a month's time will be obviously your your biggest event for the start of this year or since you yeah. restarted. Um, how are you preparing for that? What what's needs to be done around the track? Yeah, so so we've been very fortunate that we, we've taken the time to look at you know, we, we've followed very much the Australian Institute of Sport framework they put together in terms of getting sport back in business again. And we've been working with uh, um, and writing to constantly to the New South Wales Health Minister and, and, and getting guidance from them. So so we've built up a really good uh, COVID-19 plan to get us back on track. And so, for example, we had our first customers there yesterday. And even though I'm the CEO there, you know, I've turn up for work, have to have my temperature checked, have to declare that, you know, I feel well. Um, we have all the social distancing measures in place. Uh, we have the, the normal hand sanitization everywhere. So we've, we've really prepared quite well. We have a great a great plan in place. We, we're, we're lucky that in the business we're in, we have a, you know, a full-time medical provider on site as well. So they've certainly had a big input into our plan. And, you know, and if, if we were to discover a case on site, we even have a, a plan on how that's to be handled as well. Um, so, you know, we've been, we've been working very hard to, to make sure that we can, you know, get, and we've called a project back on track. Um, and so we work really hard getting our systems and procedures in place to make sure that we can comply with all the necessary uh, rules and regulations as the restrictions are eased. And that's, that's really one of the reasons that supercars are keen to work with us. Um, also, you know, we've got the hotel, the Alpha Hotel on, on our site as well. So, you know, the teams are all going to be housed and stay there. Uh, and so we've sat down with supercars and worked very closely with their planning team and they've made all the applications through through government and, you know, and um, we're all quite confident that it's going to proceed. Okay. Um, now, one of the big aspects that's be different this time is because it's a two-day meeting. Now, you've done two-day meetings in years past. I've been to them there. Um, but in supercars, it's a, a very different land. What do you have to do to, to meet the challenge of doing that? Yeah, look, I think the two-day meeting, it's, it's a little easier because at this stage, there's no other support categories on the card. Now, whether that changes or not and whether there's, 
they might fit in a support category. I think that's a bit up in the air, but certainly through our planning thus far, it's just supercars themselves. So, you know, there's plenty there's plenty of time um, for their bumping um, and there's plenty of time for their practice and their qualifying. So I think in some ways it, it's probably going to be a bit easier because you haven't got the coordination required of, of having, you know, categories in, uh, you know, housed in the, in the south paddock or housed in the car parks or car parks or, or, or on the skid pans. So I think in a lot of ways some of the, some of the planning for us and the execution of it, so execution of it, will be a bit easier. Okay. Has there been any suggestion at all about corporates at all? Look, that's that's something I only had a chat to Sean a couple of days ago, and, and the latest easing of restrictions is saying that you can have up to fifty people, provided you can still comply with the social distancing. So, fifty people in the cafe and restaurant, and certainly we have suites uh, that can that can handle up to 50 people indoors quite safely. So uh, uh, certainly corporates is something that um, Sean's thinking about now. As to the park and view, you know, we're pretty excited by that. We think that, um, you know, there, there is an opportunity to have park and view and that's something that, you know, we've certainly discussed with supercars and, and uh, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're approaching the, um, the appropriate minister as well to see if, if that may be possible. So that'll be instigated by supercars in a conversation about uh, the health department about having park and view, then, will it? Yeah, yeah. So, so, so Sean and I only spoke about that yesterday, and I just said, you know, who who wants to press this forward? Would you like me to do it, or would you like to do it? And I guess he's in constant contact with them, you know, over the entire event. So we just wanted to keep it simple and have one voice. So, so Sean will. Uh, Sean's making those approaches, the supercars are making those approaches to government and um, we're certainly there to provide all the planning and can show how we can do it safely and keep people segregated and um, the social distancing in place. And I think I think one of the other advantages, if you think about that, um, if there's no support categories, then each supercar race on each day is going to be, you know, between one and two hours long, I imagine. And so, you know, there's just a, quite a discreet window, isn't there, where you have the customers come in, stay in their cars, watch the race and go home again. It's not like they're going to be there for six or eight hours or anything, or a full day. So I think that's one of the advantages of having just, um, you know, supercars there by themselves with no other categories. And I think we could demonstrate that we could quite easily observe all the uh, the public you know, health and safety rules and, and keep people safe and, and, and comply. So you know, I'd be pretty positive about it, really. Have you had conversations with supercars about um, a second event, possibly, one where you could use your lights? Yeah, well, look, when when supercars released their calendar um, a couple of weeks ago, a couple of weekends ago, they made it quite clear that, you know, the calendar was subject to change and there's a lot of moving parts particularly with events in other states, and each state has their own rules in terms of restrictions. So there certainly still is an opportunity that we may get a second race, and we're hopeful that that, that will occur. And we're very and, and if that does occur, it would certainly be a night race. I mean, um, you know, there's been no secret that, you know, certainly supercars and, and you know, and, and uh, both Sean Semmer and Peter Wiggs, the, the chairman, were both out 
um, a few weeks ago when we had a, a ceremony to celebrate the standing of the first pole, and we had the uh, you know the deputy premier there and the minister for Western Sydney, Stuart Ayres, there as well. And um, you know we're all we're all um, I guess very optimistic and positive that the first race under lights there will be a supercars race. So I think it's really watched this space, and I think. Things will develop. You know, it's like the it's like our entire community at the moment. It's fairly fluid and changing on a daily basis. So, you know, I guess one of the things that we're doing is just um, concentrating and controlling what we can control and what we know right now. But you know, I'm still optimistic that uh, we'll get a second race and it'll be a night race and it'll be the first race under lights at Sydney Motorsport Park. It's a very speedway format that we're talking about here with just the supercars coming out to have a bit of practice mm. and then go ra- qualify and then racing. Would mm. that be the best model for a night race? So you are saying to families, come out at four, be home by eight or a window like that where um, mm. where we've seen the night race last time and you did have all those support categories and all all those other things going on, which made it, well, almost <laughs> ridiculously long days because you were still getting there at 8 o'clock in the morning and then not leaving till midnight or even later. Yeah. Look, I, I, I guess it's interesting. That's a really interesting point because I think the the uh, the race that we did under temporary lights a couple of years ago was a great demonstration of what's possible. And what we saw was a very different market. We had our hardcore um, supercar people there, you know, wanting to get in the gates at 5 a.m. in the morning like normal. Uh, and, and for those people, it's an extremely long, long day and you're quite right. But what was remarkable was the biggest influx of people we had was between three and four or four and five in the afternoon. And just watching them walk in, there were a lot of families there and a lot of people new to the sport. And, you know, and, and you know, when we started talking to supercars about doing the night race about five years ago and I talked to James Warburton about it at the time and said, What we you know, what's worked really well in Sydney and Sydney's a tough market for crowds for any sport, what has worked really well was it was twenty twenty cricket. And what we need to do is have 20, you know, 2020 cricket model for motorsport and that's under light, short and sharp, a couple of hours. So I think, I think what, I think what, um, that event showed is that you can still have your, your regular card during the day and support categories. And, and so people who want to be there all day can be, but then you have the main stars and supercars on in the nighttime. And that way, if people, if people want to, um, you know, buy a night ticket, night, I suggest that, you know, it'll probably change, the, you know, perhaps even the cost structure of, of going to events. You know, if you chose to come in for that two hours of a night time, it might be a bit cheaper. Um, so I, I think it demonstrates you can do both. That's, that's what I think. And we've we've spoken about the lighting of the track, but to have mm. crowds move in and out at night time, you do have to have all the access paths, all the, the parking with a certain amount of lighting so that people can transition safely from the grandstands and, and uh, seating mounds back to their vehicles to get home safe. Have you? Yeah, abso- absolutely. And, and this project includes uh, lighting of all of those car parks and all of the, grand- the grandstands getting a full uh, upgrade in its lighting as well and around the back of it as well. So, yeah, so it's not just the tracks. That this uh, that this project covered, it's all the, all the all the car parks as well. 
Have um, the ADC been involved in any of the conversations about the speedway track that's being uh, proposed? Yeah, look, um, I attended a uh, a meeting with uh, the Office of Sport and also um, Metro, the you know people, the Metro people where the speedway is currently at uh, prior to Christmas, and I participated in a, a workshop for that. Um, my understanding is, you know, and I know they've been going ahead with the planning right now, and my understanding is that they're getting close to completing the precinct or the draft of the precinct master plan. So the workshop we had was to, was to get everybody's views or the stakeholders' views of what was important for the precinct and, um, and um, you know, what opportunities were there, what were, you know, what were the threats, what were some of the negatives that people saw, and, uh, and then from there they would come up with a draft precinct master plan and then present that back to us. Um, uh, I guess coincidentally I've only just answered some questions in the last day about some shared parking uh, and uh, I'm expecting or I'm told that we should be in a position to have a, uh, another, uh, another meeting with all the stakeholders to review that master plan within the next month or so. Does the proposed speedway impact on any of the ARDC's growth plans for Sydney Motorsport Park? Does it affect land that you might have had earmarked or that was your land already? No, it's no, it doesn't. I, I think first of all, so, so first of all, to answer that question, the speedway will be completely contained within the land at the moment that is part of the track strip. Uh, so, so, so our neighbours next door. I think overall having the speedway in the precinct is fantastic. I think that what it will do for everybody, for all of us, so whether the drag, uh, the drag strip people, the speedway people, or ourselves, it what it does is, is puts everything together and creates you know what really should be an absolute motorsport mecca and a place of excellence. Uh, and and with that comes you know, additional infrastructure from government where they're going to upgrade the roads around there. You know, we'll take an attitude, you know, uh, where we can share a lot of facilities. So at the moment, as you know, when we have big events, we use the drag strip for um, for some parking and then run shuttle buses and and that'll be vice versa. There's no reason that we couldn't even share grandstands. I mean, if you go to Silverstone, you know, most of their grandstands are actually transportable. So why would you spend, you know, millions of dollars putting on, putting building grandstands at one particular venue when it might have, they might only be required, you know, for a few events each year. So, you know, so ideas of, you know, being able to keep costs down in infrastructure and, and having much more portable infrastructure and being able to share it. Probably LED, LED signs and digital signs is probably another good example. I think the other thing is just having a look at it, the management of the overall precinct and being able to achieve sort of economies of scale um, and, um, you know, and have, you know, similar caterers and stuff like that. But I think more importantly, being able to look at, well, what are the opportunities to create great events across the whole precinct? So, you know, um, you know, people have talked about years ago of an event called the Triple Challenge. Uh, there's no reason why, you know, in a week that we couldn't have, almost have our own festival of speed with Speedway and the drag strip and, and, and you know, and motor racing, both bikes and cars in the whole, in the whole precinct. So I'm really positive 
and think it's a, I think it's a great thing for motorsport and I think it's a great thing for Sydney and New South Wales. I remember vividly those triple challenges, Glenn, and uh, enjoyed them thoroughly. I don't think Mark <laughs> Scaife enjoyed the last one, but anyway, <laughs> he had a very large <laughs> accident uh, in turn one. Well, you'd be able to, you'd be able to um, go and watch the last... so it might be the quadruple challenge. Indeed, indeed. One thing uh, last maybe we could uh, talk about is beyond supercars, the Shannon series. Um, you've had them for some years. I assume that they uh, were going to return this year to your, your track? Yeah, they certainly are. And in fact, um, I don't know if it's public knowledge yet, but it's about to be now because I'll tell you, but um, we've agreed that they that will host them for their first round of the year. Uh, and that's uh, going to be sometime in August. Wonderful. Uh, that's got the 5,000s on as well, hasn't it? Uh, sorry? The 5,000s and TCR and... Yes. Yes, that's right. I mean, their, their yeah. card's fantastic and I, and I guess, you know, by August we should be fine in terms of being able to run, you know, a number of categories and I, I think we've already got procedures in place where we can you know, keep officials safe and, and we've certainly got the technology in place to be able to, you know, minimise the, the, the number of people that we that we require as well with our racing light system, et cetera. Um, but, yeah, no, we're really looking forward to it. We're working, yeah, closely with uh, Motorsport Australia and, uh, you know, I was only on, uh, on the phone and, and uh, emailing with uh, Michael Smith uh, from them the other day. So uh, they're pretty excited about... Uh, about um, being able to offer them a, an August date. And, you know, what we're trying to do also, I mean, we've got a responsibility being the ARDC to ensure that, you know, we get racing back, play our part uh, in Australia and getting racing back on track. So, you know, we're giving a priority to, you know, obviously supercars, but also Shannon's and then looking at our next level with, with, our, with our state series as well. So, you know, all I ask is everybody be, be patient and um, and be flexible like we are, and, and I'm sure, you know, we'll keep most people satisfied. Will that Shannon's round have a component under lights to be able to use that new facility? Uh, look, I'm not too sure about that. Um, again, it's the timing of when the lights may be ready. Um, so, so the lights will certainly be ready by the end of August. Their event's a little bit before that, and, and, and if it was ready, then I'd need to talk to them about the extra cost because as I've mentioned before, it's not we wouldn't have permanent power available then. It would be generated, gen, you know, need to be powered by generators. So I've already within the budgets of of uh, supercars factored in what the cost of the generators are, and that's something that you know Motorsport Australia had to consider to see if they'd want to do that or not. So mm. you know it's certainly possible, um, but you know there's there's a you know some some costs there to consider now. You've mentioned you're back in action. I'm just wondering, yep. have you received an increasing request for track bookings? Is it is it you're going, wow, we need that 30% as soon as possible? <laughs> well, look, I guess what's happened is obviously we've been closed for a couple of months now. And, uh, and so I think there's a couple of factors. I think people that are used to be coming to our track 
our venue for track days or ride days, you know, like all of us, we just want to get back out again and do what we love to do. So we, we've just put on some track days and ride days and they've, they've sold out in less than 24 hours. Um, so I think we've got a sort of a pent-up demand there. Now, that that is basically with restricted numbers, of course. Um, then, then there's events that we've, we've had to postpone and some of those, and they're not just events, some of them are corporate clients like um, car manufacturers. So our challenge at the moment is going to be, you know, a lot of these people still want to have their, still want to have their, um, their events. Uh, and, you know, we're trying now to condense what, um, is possibly what eight or nine months worth of bookings down into six months. So we're, we're not going to be able to satisfy everybody, but, um, you know, we're certainly going to try and satisfy as many people as we can. So if someone did have a booking, you've been working with them to try and see where it can fit in and it might be you you can handle this group during stage two and another group during stage three and then hopefully we're stage four and back to normal, you can then have uh, some of those bigger events. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's exactly right. And you know, and we've we work really closely. Like some, we've got some clients who you know really are almost like partners of ours anyway. So it's really important that we've been able to support them. And even though they've got reduced numbers, you know, allow them to get back on track as well. So you know, we're we're, we're sort of playing our part in the community and kind of you know sharing sharing some of that by you know offering some discounts on tracks only because. You know, they can't have the throughput of people that they, their business would normally have. So so it's important that we all work together. Now, just uh, finally from me, uh, Team Sydney, it, it looks yep. like this break might have been the best thing that could happen for Team Sydney. Where does the ARD uh, sit with helping and, and working with Team Sydney? Is it purely about the centre of excellence or is the ARDC going to be a bit more involved? Look, I think I think there's a couple of things. I think first of all, Team Sydney uh, is absolutely a very major um, component of our education, our centre of excellence, and our education and innovation strategy. So, uh, Team Sydney needs to show us that they can um, deliver what they need to be able to deliver to make that possible. I mean, we're not doing we're not doing Team Sydney. That's our core reason being able to do that, as we saw in Silverstone um, when we went there three years ago, is that, you know, having having a, 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 almost a technical university on site works because of that. It's the honeypot effect of being associated with a racetrack. And to get, you know, somebody, a team involved um, from the elite of our sport in the country, you know, sort of enhances that, that um you know, that attraction, I guess. Um, so Team Sydney, you know, certainly need to work very closely with us and show that they can work with educators, uh, with TAFE and universities. Um, the ARDC will also play a role. We're certainly happy to play a role and help them in terms of their marketing and growing their membership base. Um, I think a bit like the GWS Giants that uh, Team Sydney, you know, can can create a, a much larger fan base than most other teams um, just because of their location and because of the access people should be able to have um, to their team as well. So so in, I think there's two parts. I think for, first of all and, and foremost, the most important thing for me is that the part that they can play and deliver 
in uh, our innovation and education strategy. And then secondly, what we can do working together to grow their brand and our brand um, and, and, you know, grow their membership and also add, add value to members of the ARDC. Glenn, thank you so much for telling us the uh, story of the restarting of Sydney Motorsport Park and the supercars uh, calendar. Um, I look forward enormously. I know Craig does as well that we're, we're sad that we can't actually come there in June, but uh, we look forward to a time when we can both visit the track and, and see cars again uh, spinning around the uh, eastern creek of Sydney. Oh, thank you so much. And look, and when you can physically attend, make sure uh, you let me know and, and so I can say good day. Tony, great to hear from Glenn Matthews there on Inside Supercars and some fascinating things going on in and around that Sydney Motorsport Park precinct. It'll be uh, quite something when they have uh, other developments uh, occurring there as well. And as Glenn was talking about, um, I remember so vividly those uh, Winfield Triple Challenges. They were fantastic events and to think that something of that could return would be quite amazing. Yep. Well, that's it for another episode of Inside Supercars. Join us tomorrow when Macca will tell us all about Walkinshaw Andretti United and their prep. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited.